This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to developing voices of color in the beauty industry. We are talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and business owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. So welcome to episode two of Fearless Beauties. Hi, my name is Taylor, but Mary and I, we will be getting into the history of beauty. I think it's important sometimes to just look back at where we were or where our culture was and then where we're moving to today. So Mary, I think you should start um, not saying that you're you have more experience, but you are older than I am. so I I know you've seen and heard and experienced a lot more you know when I think about we do on the first day of class talk about at our school we talk about the history of beauty and kind of go back to the history of aesthetics and even going back to like ancient times talking about beauty with the ancient Egyptians and moving through different eras you know, the Renaissance era or the Victorian era, where where the focus really was having white skin, pasty white skin, or where women were like mixing, I don't know, all kinds of strange concoctions to lighten their skin. And the focus, I think, really was the viewpoint that you were, if you had lighter colored skin, it meant you were wealthier. It meant that you didn't work outside as a laborer where your skin would get, you know, UV rays. So I've had students feel like this is somewhat of a racist, you know, this feels very racist. And, and it was, (laughs) I mean, but if you open any beauty magazine today, you can see much, much greater representation, much greater pictures, you know, all the graphics are, much more inclusive and show it shows that we do we have made progress it's just now kind of like keeping our guard up against cultural appropriation like i said i'm i don't really have much experience like or knowledge about the history of beauty i can really talk about what i have seen so far in my 27 years White women have always been like the primary market for mainstream beauty brands. And I think I talked about in the the first episode how it was very difficult for me to find my shade of foundation as a black woman. But I think I've noticing now, like there's some celebrities that I've noticed like Little Kim or even we can go back to Michael Jackson where they bleach their skin or so people have said they bleached their skin. Or even I've seen celebrities who go through surgical exams to change their eye color to an eye color that matches um, a white person, like a hazel eyes or gray eyes or green eyes. Like they literally go through surgery to permanently change the color of their eyes to no longer be black or brown. So um, I'm pretty sure that has something to do with some type of historical origin. That's just unbelievable to me. I I believe you, but I just feel like, oh, to have that personal feeling that 
that you're not okay how you are to the extent of that just hurts hurts my heart there's celebrities who they have a huge following of course and i'm and i'm like oh maybe they think that they're just doing it because they just want to simply you know change the color of their eyes but it's almost like when black women want to straighten their hair and not wear it natural because there's just kind of like the stigma against natural hair I think that's completely true. In the business world, I think that's definitely I think that's definitely out there, that kind of conditioning. And some of that has to do with just being in a male I'm sorry, a male dominated, you know, world. Um, I know, sent you that article about who are the programmers that are programming the algorithms for what is beautiful into our digital world. It's white men. It's white men that are programming that. And so it's their version of what is beautiful. Yeah. And I believe you said last season um, that some of the CEOs and owners of these huge uh, corporations um, are all white men. Where do you get your knowledge and education from? Uh, like, where is their diversity? I, I don't know. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's annoying, to say the least. It's annoying. I just remember uh, there was one episode last season, and it still shocks me to hear how when you said, you can Google beautiful woman, and you'll just oh, see yeah. you'll just see uh, white women on there. There's no women of color. It has gotten better, but I think in 2018, when Fearless Beauty started, if you Googled beautiful woman, it wasn't until it was like image number 41 was a person of color. So yeah, I'm honestly looking right now um, and I can say it has gotten better. There is like the first row, second row, all white women, third row, there's one black woman, then it starts to become more black. So yeah, things are getting better where it's no longer the 41st picture, it's the 20th. So, hey. I think that Photography now, they work to taking women of color when they're in advertisements or whatever, and they do lighten their skin. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we need to go back to reality. And I think the consumers need to just demand we want what's real. And, and just by constantly showing us images of people who don't look like they look in real life is just a disservice. Yeah. Like they have, um, I know there's like some filters on Instagram. Like they, there's always like this trend going around that says Instagram versus reality. The reality part is like, you know, your hair is messed up. Like, you know, you may have acne on your skin or whatever. And then reality is, you know, you have makeup on your hair is all done. But now I think I saw like a little, a little ways back, where there's an actual filter that's lightening your skin. Yeah, so... That's completely true. In, in fact, in, I think it's India, you can download an app on your, on your phone and it is to lighten your skin so that on dating, if you go on dating sites and you're going to download your picture, you're going to look 
they, you know, more attractive because in their culture, whiter skin is, has more value. Oh, yeah. It's, it's terrible. Uh, and it's just, I think I said it in the first podcast, I wasn't, I didn't grow up knowing that the color of my skin dare I say, was an issue or is an issue. I didn't know that it was different. I just knew that, okay, I'm black and everyone else is white. Um, and that's just how I grew up. But now it's it's getting to a point where I'm noticing that there's kind of like this internalized racism with people of color. Like because the standards of beauty are to lighten your skin or to be as close to a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes as possible, we're starting as black women and men to um, not think we're beautiful enough or just not think we're beautiful. Like the Afros are not a thing. So we straighten our hair or we get wigs that kind of resemble, you know, that flowy hair. And that's just not it's just not common for African-American men and women. And I could only speak for African-American men and women because I am one. So one of the things I was thinking about was Tyra Banks, who is beautiful, right? She's beautiful. But when she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, they wouldn't let her be on the cover alone. She had to be posing with another, with a blonde haired white woman because somehow her own beauty wasn't enough and I think about how can we change that how can we change that culture Taylor but I think dare I say to say this who I mean like you were about to go down a rabbit hole I feel like I could go down one is it because that it wasn't enough or do you think it's because it's kind of like an intimidation type of thing because I've heard theories that you know, back in the day, white white men feel threatened. Yes, by, feel threatened that a black woman is on the cover of a magazine. Yes, I mean, why is it that the color of someone's skin is threatening? I don't know. Or there have been times, even back in the day, like slavery and those, where a lot of the white men and white men and women learned what they learned from the slaves. So I, I think it's an intimidation thing in my opinion, but yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, granted it's subtle and people would argue against it. But yeah. I think that also that has to do with the ingrained culture that you don't know what you're even doing. It's generational. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they don't, like you said, they don't know what they're doing. It's subconscious. Uh, it's subtle. But if you go back to generations to generations, it kind of goes you know, everything goes back to slavery. So I think that that is true. And I think that we have to, particularly as white people have to just say, yes, this is true, right? There's some sort of like idea that we want to sweep it under the rug, because it's so ugly. And so when we talk about compensation, it's compensating black people today for slavery and Jim Crow and systemic racism that has not allowed them the same opportunities. Have you heard of the Shirley card? 
No. So the Shirley card was a card that was used in creating color balance with color film. And that's how they would balance skin tones in like the first color TVs or first color photography, that type of thing. And they really only had four skin tones that they balanced. And it said Shirley and the picture of Shirley and it said normal on it. Mm. And so they should be balancing whoever was production wise would be balancing to what they considered normal, which is just sending the message that these four fair colored skin tones are what's normal and what's outside of that is not normal. And it creates this subtle message. And anyway, eventually what happened and how color film and photography became more progressive is not the idea that, oh, we need to be able to take photographs of all people, yeah, not just white people, but it's because the wood furniture industry and the chocolate industry spoke up and said, with color photography or color TVs, film, you can't tell the difference between darker wood types and lighter wood types, or you can't tell the difference between milk chocolate and dark mm-hmm. chocolate. And it took that to get somebody to do better with color photography. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea that. That's amazing. Why is it why do I feel like as a black woman I'm still tiptoeing around the the topic sometimes? It's it's truly uh it's just, it sucks. It really does suck. So we just have to become more comfortable with the un with the uncomfortable. I think talking, you know, we've kind of covered inclusivity and that we are making, you know, we the beauty industry is making some changes. And I think that you're right when you talked about it being generational. I think that it a lot of it is generational. Same thing, same I I think that's true in the gay community as well where there's a lot more acceptance. And we really just need like my generation to die out and then things will be, (laughs) things will start to get, I mean, it's getting better, but it will get even, even better. Um, And I think getting people, younger people in positions of authority or or giving them decision-making power so that it can shift the perspective of what is normal, right? Like that, that Shirley card, listening to this thing on the Shirley card was just like, oh my gosh, if your whole life you didn't have this person's skin color that was deemed normal, does that mean you weren't normal? Like what? So getting those things that are so much in the background, I think that we don't even, I think we've been unaware of it unaware of how color balance happens in the television show that you're watching, getting the people in with broader perspectives, more global perspectives into positions of power 
over the now. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10 years. Same. I definitely will. <laughs> yeah. And you're multicultural, right? Your multicultural psychology is going to have an effect. It's going to have a trickle-down effect into our communities and our culture. I would actually like to be able to counsel some more um, people of color uh, because I've only been able to see mm, white people, to be honest with you. I think I've had three Latin clients, but that's it. All of them are white. So I would like to get, you know, LGBTQ community in there, South Asian community in there. I would actually like to have some African-American clients um, just so I can, you know, dust off my multicultural knowledge and just like, right? So, yeah. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. I hope you enjoyed season two, episode two of the Fearless Beauties podcast, the history of beauty. And we'll see you next time. Oh, another, let's just plug in our social medias uh, on Instagram at Fearless Beauties, Facebook at Fearless Beauties, fearlessbeauties.org. Um, Instagram is where we highlight all of like the inclusive education, our um, certification, online certification. You can meet our ambassadors. We have a Fearless Beauties workbook. We have all the things. So um, go on our Instagram, follow us and click the link in our bio. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself. Remember to stay open and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host, Taylor, and our producers at Quill Inc.